Here we go. <laughs> I think there's quite a few people around the work uh, space today because we're in the studio. Very hot, very warm. Don't wonder if you're done in here, Coach K. Actually, don't tell me. McHugh, QU, QU on that one, McHugh. Uh, good afternoon. Just welcome to the program. Uh, it's a bit of an interesting start, isn't it, to this Monday afternoon? Where are we going? We're coming off the back of Matty White there. Uh, thanks for tuning in, however you're listening. SEN welcomes you to our very broad house of worship. Yes, 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 we know that. $100 cash? Yes, that's available. All thanks to Tristan and the team at Top Sport. What's the number you've got to ring? one three hundred oh one. 1170. Oh, yes. What about the Signet Boost Power Bank? Is that available today? And remember, it can power your phone, tablet, and earbuds and anything else sock 24 7. Yes, it is available to the best text message today. Or indeed, the Who Am I? Is the Who Am I on again, Coach K? No. What about, oh, winners and losers? So, oh, yeah, I know today's Monday, but so we've got this. Oh, winning. Thank you, Charlie. And then this. Le Hill. The her. Ace Ventura, a.k.a. Jim Carrey, on that one. We're doing it all thanks to SBS Fence. Remember, portable toilet and temporary fence hire in Sydney. Go to sbsfence.com.au. But we were pump- when I say we were pumping ourselves up for the program today, I was. Uh, and we're getting there. The T-shirt's coming in. Um, afternoons with Coach K featuring Jimmy Smith. Pedro, that's a guaranteed chance of never winning a prize with that sort of talk. Uh, g'day, Jimmy. Here's your T-shirt. Man Cave Heaven starts with 11. SCN 11.70 AM. Simon from Balgownie. You know what, Simon? Workshop it. Workshop it. A little bit more work to do on that one. But anyway, we'll see how we go. Uh, so keep them coming in. 0457 736 736. Michael Hagen, co-coach of... Sorry, not co-coach. Assistant coach. Malloc, <laughs> Cut that audio out. I ne- I wanted that destroyed. <laughs> the assistant coach to Mal Meninga uh, with the Kangaroos following the back of their 38 points to 12 win over Toa Samoa on Saturday night. We'll get a score update from Coach K. SENZ's Mark Stafford. He'll be along for a chat. Trent Thomas, he's a regular. He'll be here. Uh, he's now, he's got a little promotion. Trent, we'll let him tell us about that. Afternoons Amplified. Code Sport cricket journalist Daniel Cherney, huge game tonight, absolutely massive. And then, of course, we'll have the winners and losers uh, and your chance to send in the text messages, all thanks to SBS Fence. But um, this is a really, really huge game for Australia on, well, it's tonight, 7.30. It will be starting. But as always, on a Monday, we like to do this. Thank you, Ed. Ed and the team, they come in, they do it every Monday. We do appreciate that. So a rear view mirror. Actually, why don't we go to the rear view mirror about the NBL? Well done, the Sydney Kings. Top of the ladder now, 99 to 86 of dominant performance against the Perth Wildcats. They were down 21 points to nine. So extraordinary performance um, from the back end, well, really the start of the second quarter. Uh, so well done, the Sydney Kings. The the brand new starting five, and Geordie Hunter this year is a beast. Twenty points uh, for Big 
Geordie, and he got his second player of the match. So well done to him on that one. The Kangaroos, 38. Tyre Samoa, 12. Good intensity in the match. 22-0. It's all over for the Kangaroos. So a few things to come out of it. I thought the performance was good. The crowd was okay. 18,144. I think Stephen Crichton proved he's not a 5'8", so maybe there's some changes there for Ben Gardner. But the Sua Fa'alonga, no try. Ooh, Sua Fa'alonga, no try. Uh, that's that's my concern. That's my concern on this one. This was the concern of uh, Gus Gould as well on Saturday night. Here come the fun to step ball out. It makes contact with the header. No one comes to watch the football to watch that. We don't want to know how good the bunker can be with a tax ray vision. Uh, it's disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Ah, did you hear? Did you see the incident? It was like, oh. But I just wonder on the back of the try, though. Remember, we've only seen him for one NRL game so far longer. We were amazed by his performance on that round 27 clash against the Broncos. You just wonder whether Craig Bellamy's sitting there going, hmm, hmm, maybe I missed a, a, a trick there, not putting Sua far longer in that semi-final series. PNG Kummels, 46 over the Cook Islands, 10. Where were all the fans? What's, why was it so empty, that stadium? It's their national sport. It's their national team. And I don't know why there were no fans there. 30-0 at halftime, so the Kummels dominating there. Lachlan Lamb outstanding in that match coming off his season with the Lee Leopards. Zach Labert was good. Jack DeBellin played well. Nene McDonald with four tries there. And then the earlier game on Saturday night, the Gillaroos toughed it out. 16-10 against the Kiwi Ferns. Much tougher going than it was in the World Cup final. They won that one 54-4 just a matter of months ago. So a uh, bit of work to do on that one, and it's good. It's a nice and competitive series. So uh, that is fantastic. One of the stories, not all the stories, one of the stories coming out of the weekend is the article written in the Daily Telegraph today by Dean Ritchie, uh, quoting former Test captain Max Krillich, blasting the current Australian players who have refused to sing the national anthem. So nothing in the Sydney Morning Herald. So it's interesting on that one. So we've had comments from Max Krillich, former Test captain, Peter Peters, who's a former Manly Premiership winning player and journalist and former ARL chairman, Ken Arthurson, basically saying you don't sing the anthem, you don't play. Who didn't sing? Well, Payne Haas of Samoan background, Katoni Staggs, who is Indigenous Tongan background, uh, Hamaso Tabuifito of Indigenous uh, Torres Strait Islander and Samoan background, and Selwyn Cobbo, Indigenous background. So I'm going to ask you the question today, people, uh, especially when we start talking about this sacred song. Uh, Krilich, who famously led the undefeated 1982 Kangaroo Tour, has called on test coach who was uh, Mal Meninga, who was on that tour, to intervene and tell his star players to sing Australia's sacred song. So just how sacred is this song that we sing? It was written by a Scotsman in 1878. wasn't the national anthem until 1974. Up to that point, it was God Save the Queen. So then it was in on the back of the Whitlam government. And then when the Fraser government came to power a year later, it was out. They went back to God Save the Queen. So then they had a plebiscite and said, well, what do you reckon? Advance Australia fair? 43% said, yep. Waltzing Matilda lost and so did the Song of Australia as the existing national anthem. It wasn't adopted full-time until Bob Hawke did it in 1984. I'm not sure how sacred that whole song is. And there's been a number of lyric changes through history because of the hurt that it's caused Indigenous Australians. But there you go. Apparently, we've all got our knickers in a knot because Katoni Staggs and Payne Haas and... 
Who else? Hamaso, Tabuai, Fado, and Selwyn Cobbo wouldn't sing the national anthem. Do you have a problem with it? Let me know. one 1170 The text line 0457-736-736. We've got a problem with the way Australia's playing over there at this Cricket World Cup. So the good news, Travis Head looks like he's going to be back, not for a couple of weeks. He's hitting the ball in the nets over in Adelaide. He's going to get the flight out on Thursday. So that's good news. Won't help them tonight. So here's Pat Cummins pre this match tonight. Yeah, I think everyone's, or well, after the last game, was a little bit flat, but the last couple of days have been really good. Everyone's, you know, kind of rolled up the sleeves and want to try and get to work and make amends. So, you know, the mood in the camp's been fantastic. Everyone's great. Everyone's desperate to turn around. I think, I think in the last year, they're kind of the two teams that we've had the most trouble against. You know, the opportunity now is we've got some teams we haven't played for a while that we've had a lot of success against and, and be really confident when we go out there. Okay, let's hope that is the case. The speculation around that Pat Cummins may not be in the 11. Be interested to see that team sheet when it's handed to the Sri Lankan captain tonight as they go out for the toss. Who's going to hand it to him? There's the other point. Uh, might be Steve Smith. Action from the World Cup overnight. So what about this? Afghanistan. It is absolutely huge. They've beaten England, the defending champions, by 69 runs in New Delhi. So Mujib Uraman and Rashid Khan, three wickets each. No surprise on that. We've seen their superstar skills in the Big Bash League. So uh, no real surprise on they were the stars. The surprise is that England have lost to Afghanistan. That's just their second win in the World Cup. They beat Scotland in 2015. So well done to Afghanistan on that one. Well done to Tim Zhu, dominant yesterday against Brian Mendoza. So he has defended his WBO Super Welterweight World title, but he's got a hit list. What do you think Jamel Charlo would have thought watching that performance? He'll probably, in his delusional head, he'll probably think that he's going to beat me. Come get it. Come get it. Do you think he will come get it? Yeah, for sure, man. He, he fought Canelo, man. Best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, you know. And I think now, let's prove he's the he is the best 154, but let's prove, prove it to everyone who is really the king of the division. So he's certainly making a name for himself, isn't he, Tim Zhu? So he's, as I said, defended that WBO title. He's going after uh, Charmelo, uh, Charlo because uh, he wants to unify all of those super, middle, uh, super, super welterweight titles, and that would be absolutely huge. I don't think it's going to happen in Australia. So those events will be taking place offshore, uh, most notably in Las Vegas. But well done to Tim Zhu, proving himself uh, world-class, world-class yesterday with that performance. Speaking of, Ange Postacoglu, what about that? World-class. He's back-to-back manager of the month. So last month he got manager of the month in the EPL. First Australian to ever do it. This week, or this month, he's gone back-to-back. So he's the first Aussie to ever do that. He's the first Premier League manager to win successive awards in the first two months of their tenure. And he's the first manager to do it, back-to-back manager of the month, since Liverpool's Jurgen Klopp in 2019-2020. They went on to win the title that year. So, not bad, and surely, no, Tottenham, no, they couldn't. What's Harry Kane thinking? Surely he's getting a little bit of uh, FOMO. I would have thought. Rugby World Cup. So we've had some incredible quarterfinals. Uh, Dramatic yesterday morning. I think you would have to say that New Zealand 
would have stopped. They got home just 28-24 over Ireland. An incredible game. 35 phases at the end for Ireland. New Zealand defence holds strong. So as a result of that, they'll take on Argentina. That's right. Michael Checker, his Argentine side beat Wales 29-17. The other semi-final, England taking on South Africa after South Africa broke the heart of the hosts, France, 29-28 with a late try. Uh, that would have been morbid over there in France. Uh, England just get it done. They score uh, three tries to two or two tries to three against Fiji. Fiji with the three tries, but they lose on the back of superior kicking. 30-24, to 24, England go through. England, South Africa in the semi-final, and that is on... Sunday at 6 a.m. and then Saturday, 6 a.m. our time, Argentina taking on New Zealand. So absolutely huge in the Rugby World Cup. Uh, text flying in, 0457 736 736. The open line, one 1170 Yes, we want your winning and losing. So, Charlie. Winning. Thank you, uh, loser. Le Hill. her. Thank you, Ace, on that one. Uh, we also want, when did you not quite? make it to the Everest? When did you not quite peak on the back of... Someone must have bat, uh, back, think about it. It certainly wasn't me. I wish I win was there battling away for me. Shinzo as well on the back of the, the analyst and Cylinder as well too with Kenny Callender on Friday. But when did you not quite make it to the peak? You might want to... Yeah. There's a lot of people would argue that that has been the story of my life, and I'd, I'd refute that. Not sure how strongly, but I'd certainly refute it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 the text line 0457 736 736. All right, let's get ourselves to the break. After that, we're back. We're speaking to Kangaroo's assistant coach, Michael Hagen. Stick around. Get us on that text line, 0457-736-736. The Cabramatta Flash, Eddie Jones press conference tomorrow. So you haven't missed anything. Eddie Jones press conference tomorrow. So we look forward to that. We all look forward to the Pacific Championships. Good win for the Kangaroos on Saturday night. 38 points to 12 over Toa Samoa. The assistant coach of the Kangaroos is Michael Hagen. I'm happy to say he's on the line. G'day, Hags. Hey, Jimmy. How you going? Really well, mate. What did you make of the performance on Saturday night? Yeah, I thought we were pretty strong for uh, most of the game. And I guess, uh, you know, little periods in the second half, we weren't probably quite as uh, clinical as we'd like to be. But, you know, first game uh, with a, a few new debutants and, um, you know, and Samoa also played well at times. And I think Mal was, you know, pretty happy with our first hit out, to be honest. Yeah. Our thoughts on the players on debut, Katani Staggs, Hamaso Tabuai Fido, Dylan Edwards and Selwyn Cobbo. Yeah, I thought they all did pretty well. I mean, it was, um, you know, a bit of a new group with, when you're talking about, you know, new left edge uh, and right edge to sort of just get them uh, organised. And we also had, I guess, Cam Murray on the left edge in the back row where he'd been in the middle uh, in, on the World Cup trip. But um, I thought, to be honest, the uh, the senior players, including uh, Teddy, uh, DCE, Munster and um, Benny Hunt, I thought they were really good in uh, getting you know some of those young guys prepared and organised, and Mel did a, a really good job with you know what the expectations were coming into the tournament, and you know we know we've got a bit more work to do 
against the Kiwis in a fortnight. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question too about the benefit of having these guys who have had great history in this Kangaroos jumper and, and great history through their uh, professional rugby league careers. And you pretty much mentioned all of those guys I was thinking about. But that's that's such an important part when you bring a side together for a short period of time, I would think, Hags. Yeah, Mel's always um, you know, been very uh, clear as to uh, what the requirements are for a representative team and a short preparation. So uh, he puts huge value on experience uh, in the in the test arena and also in the origin arena. And, you know, no better example of that than uh, James Tedesco, you know, incumbent uh, test captain and fullback. And then, you know, DC and Cam Munster, you know, playing that really important role for Queensland in a winning series this year. And Benny Hunt and Harry Grant, of course, coming um, their roles at dummy half are really important as well. So Mel understands that and, um, you know, it helps the team uh, settle into uh, the routine. And, you know, we only had maybe three field sessions to get our preparation uh, where it needs to be. But we know we've got a bit more improvement in this and there might be a couple of new faces come into the team against the Kiwis um, down in Melbourne. Yeah. So um, that was interesting too around your, your comments there. So I, I'd imagine a seven-week campaign with the World Cup, you get an opportunity to develop a, a style of play. Uh, not sure that's the case for these short tournaments, but um, is there that desire to go in there and say, hey, we want to play this way? Or do you look at the personnel you have, Hags, and go, right, well, I think based on their strengths, we play in a particular fashion? Yeah, I think it's it's a bit of each, to be honest. And I mean, to be to be fair, around um, you know our, our starting front rowers, and no disrespect to uh, Regan Campbell Gillard and say Jakey Tavoyevich last year, who did a great job for us in England, and the conditions in England are a bit different too to what we experience in Townsville. You know, drier, faster sort of track to to contend with. So Tino and Payne, you know, they were tremendous in their leg speed and the way we started the game. So we've got a slightly different approach. I think with the forward pack that we've got uh, at our disposal and you know, Mal understands that we want to play slightly differently uh, in this tournament and I think the players you know, adapt to that really quickly and, and Mal also has you know, the senior players having a, a pretty fair contribution as to how they like to play and, and as you said, playing to our strengths and making sure that we're really clear on, uh, on the way we want to play and, and, the, and also appreciating and respecting the opposition that we're up against, against yeah. uh, Samoa and the Kiwis. Yeah. Uh, in this tournament. And and would that change for the New Zealand side based on, well, the team that they're, they're going to announce tomorrow, uh, the team they've selected, and also um, the, the fact that, you know, you mentioned this might be some new players coming to that for that game down in Melbourne? Yeah, slightly different uh, preparation. And we know that, I mean, the Kiwis went within a whisker of beating us in the semi-final before the World Cup final last year. So yeah. they're a quality team. Michael Maguire's got, you know, a pretty handy team at his disposal. They'll have the benefit of a, a hit out this week against Samoa to get their preparation right. But um, uh, you know, uh, more than likely, you know, some of the guys that, that didn't play on the weekend, I think uh, Mal will have that conversation tomorrow with the selectors around what the, the 17 or 18 players will be in a fortnight. But I, I would I would imagine that you know, Val Holmes and, and the guys that didn't play at the weekend would more than likely come in. Uh, for game two, and you know, there's a bit of a squad mentality, I guess, over the, the three game tournament. Yeah, how was Early Beach? And and the other thing is, Albury is the destination point for the Kangaroos in the build up to the game in Melbourne. Why the decision to, to move away from the more centralized area, Hags? Well, I think the regional um, focus has been 
uh, pretty strong by Mel and the, and the uh, Kangaroos hierarchy and trying to make sure that we uh, allow you know players and, and the fans in those regional areas to, to really get involved with the team. And I mean, Ely Beach was fantastic for uh, the local community up there. We had a lot of uh, kids and boys and girls at our open session, I think on the, it might have been the, the Friday, or the Thursday or Friday afternoon in Ely Beach. And then also we had um, a little catch-up of uh, the locals at Bowen uh, on the way up to Townsville, and there would have been three or 400 kids from that sort of neck of the woods that came and uh, had photos and got their autographs. So it was really positive, and I think the players enjoyed it. And I think Albury will be similar to you know, try yeah. and get the players out in those more regional areas. And I know Mel's really strong on that, and the players, I think, really enjoy it as well. Yeah. Do the, So are the players with you now, or do they have uh, a bit of a break before they come together for that game? No, we've all sort of uh, broken camp for a few days, so we'll uh, go and uh, do what we need to do, and then we'll come back into camp, I think, maybe Friday or Saturday in Albury and um, get our preparation going for game two. Yeah, OK. I've got to ask you, because it's a, a bit of a hot topic here, uh, we talked about it earlier, the, the non-singing of the anthem by some players, has it... and. and um, former Test captain Max Krillich has had his say on it. He said that Mal Meninga should implore the players to sing the national anthem, otherwise they should not play for the Kangaroos. Do you have a thought on that, Hags? Have you spoken to Mal about that and indeed the players? No, not. At, I mean, we, as I said, we all broke sort of camp yesterday and Mal and I actually came back on an earlier flight. The team sort of left around lunchtime. But, uh, I mean, Mal's really strong as to what uh, the standards are around being... Uh, in and around the kangaroos and, and what the values are for the team and how we want to play. So I don't think there's any doubt around the expectation for the players in terms of wearing the green and gold jersey and what that represents. As to the national anthem and uh, what those individual requirements are, have, I haven't spoken to Mal on. I've seen you know, plenty of the, the comments uh, publicly and, and media-wise from you know those watching the game. Um, to be honest, Jimmy, that's probably a little bit outside my pay grade. My, my role is to try and get the team best prepared to, to play at that level. And, you know, I'm sure that Mal and Peter Volandis and people at that level can, uh, you know, they can uh, make their comments around what's required for the team going forward. But I think it's really an individual choice. And I, I know that, you know, there's been a number of players that have, I guess have chosen uh, not to sing the anthem in origin and other events. So uh, probably not my... Uh, that's probably not my role to really comment on, you know, what they do or they don't do at that level. And I appreciate that, Hags, and I do appreciate you uh, answering the question as well. Before we let you go, mate, did you go to Reuben Cotter's wedding? No, I didn't get an invitation, but uh, I know that he was very happy that uh, he didn't have any bark off for the uh, <laughs> the beautiful wedding photos that, that had to... Uh, and I don't think it really affected his performance, mate. He seemed to make... Uh, 25 or 30 pretty strong tackles in his <laughs> contribution. So I'm, I'm uh, hats off to Ruben. He, he must have had that in the back of his mind. I know the wedding vows were very stressful for him getting that done before the game, but I'm, I'm sure hopefully it went off without a hitch. And I'm sure there were a number of players uh, from the Cow, I know from the Cowboys and a couple from the Kangaroos that would have been at that uh, event. And I know he's also best man for Tommy Gilbert this Saturday oh. before he comes into camp on Sunday next week. So he's very busy, that boy. Oh, wow. Well. And wow. what a yeah, yeah. Well. Well, well, I thought he might have had Mal Meninga in the bridal party at least, uh, coach of the Australian well, side. So, yeah. Well, I know he had to. I know he had to ask permission around, you know, some of the requirements. But 
Um, you know, Mel's is pretty understanding. Uh, Mel on family and making sure that um, you know he didn't upset uh, Ruben's partner and so on and the family. Mate. That's so. It's all hopefully he'll have a little uh, honeymoon on the Gold Coast and then he'll come back into into camp on the weekend. So yeah, hopefully fingers crossed he gets through that unscathed. As it were. <laughs> that's as it were. That's right. Uh, good on you, Hags. Appreciate it, mate. Enjoy right. the time down at Albury. Yeah, and and thanks for we'll your do. time today. You're all right. See you, mate. Uh, Michael Hagan there, the assistant coach of the Kangaroos. Uh, and your thoughts on uh, the hot topic today around uh, the anthem. Uh, said, look, probably not for me to comment, but he did say it's up to the individuals, the, the decisions that they make. And, and Mal's got standards, uh, very strong ones around the jersey, the values, uh, the green and gold colours, etc. Take your thoughts on that. We've got the news. And then after the news, we are back with more. Uh, we'll get a score update from Coach K. Stick around. Thank you, Amy. Welcome back to the program. Lots of text messages coming in. I like this one from Matt. Well, I don't really like it, but um, touche to you, Matt. Jimmy, you're just upset and triggered because the divisive yes campaign failed miserably over the weekend. Chin up, mate. It's our national anthem. Sing it or hand on the jersey. That's from Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt, on that one. Uh, Jim, why can't the players sing the anthem in their head? I always sung it in my head whilst playing for my country. I like to take in the atmosphere. This doesn't mean I... Don't like my anthem. That's from the Logan Warrior. Logan Warrior, you've got to let us know. What were you representing Australia in? I'm presuming it's Australia. The Logan Warrior might be New Zealand. Uh, You better tell us. You better tell us on that one. All right, let's get to this. Time for a sports update with Coach K. Two things, Coach K. What's on the back of the T-shirt? So McHugh says on the T, afternoons with Jimmy Smith, not Friday night, 8 p.m. free to wear. So he's he's got a bit of a theme there that he... That he bounces along to? Mm. Uh, anything? Well, I think we can go with some sort of things like, oh, Jimmy, being a bit of a pest, or what's trending with Coach K on the back right, of the T-shirt? Right, You're very much sort of – you and Tommy Costigan, just focused <laughs> focused on yourself, self-focused. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. That's that generation, yeah, right? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Hey, just on that, uh, mm. on the weekend with the Everest, uh, I found myself at North Bondi RSL watching the race. Well done, you. Uh, very good with five mates. Told them all to back cylinder. Mm. It wasn't to be. Kenny. They weren't pretty happy with it. No. Nah. As you can imagine. Well, that's, you know, gamble responsibly. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Hey, Jimmy, just some scores. I know you touched on it just at the start of the show. The Pacific Championships, the Kangaroos 38, Toa Samoa 12, and then mm. the PNG Kumuls 46, Cook Islands 10. Um, God, it's good to have Payne Haas and Big Tino in the front row for the Kangaroos. Well, you, you just heard Michael Hagan say, and he said, without being disrespectful to the players who were there last year, so Jake Trebojevic and uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, the leg speed with Payne Haas and Tino, very different to those two. Very different. Very indeed. Uh, Wigan 10, Catalan Dragons 2 in the Super League final. So, uh, well done. Liam Marshall grabbing the only try there for the Warriors. Um, mm. In the Rugby World Cup, we've got our semifinals locked in. Argentina's taking on New Zealand on Saturday at 6am. And then on Sunday at 6am, England take on South Africa. South Africa 29 France, 28. We had New Zealand defeated Ireland, 28-24. Fiji, they just missed out. England defeated them, 30-24. Who played in the final in 2019? Mm. That was England and Mm. South Africa, wasn't it? Yeah. So the final of 2015 was Australia and the All Blacks. And I think the French played in the final of 2011. So the All Blacks are making their third final in four World Cups. Not bad. Sorry, they've got to win the semi-final. I'm just making a presumption that the All Blacks and the... 
South Africans go through. Yeah. Uh, Afghanistan won by 69 runs against England. Australia's taking on Sri Lanka today. That starts oh, at 7.30. Ooh, oh, we'll see how that goes down. Um, and just in the NFL, Jimmy, Ravens 24, Titans 16. We've got a game on right now. Uh, the New York Giants sixth, the Buffalo Bills zip. That's the second quarter with about five minutes to play. Uh, we do have a game tomorrow at 11.15. The Chargers taking on the Cowboys. And in the UEFA European Championship, we've got some qualifiers. Uh, Spain defeated Norway 1-0. Erling Haaland, no goals, which is quite interesting there. Wales 2, Croatia 1. Um, and we had Georgia defeating Cyprus 4-0. And just lastly, Jimmy, the Shanghai Masters, the Rolex, we had the Polish player Herbert Herkash defeated Andrei Rublev in the final, lost the first 6-3. Uh, sorry, won the first 6-3, lost the second 6-3, then won the third in the tiebreaker 7-6. And that is a score update. Well done, New Zealand water polo, Jimmy, the Logan Warrior. So well done. That's fantastic. Give us your record. You better give us your name, uh, Logan Warrior. Uh, Jeremy says on the T-shirt, JS, always have the glass half full. Yes, well, the wolf wouldn't be able to wear it, would he? Uh, thank you, JS, on that one. Uh, McHugh said Coach K would have alone time. Hashtag alone time on the T. Uh, so, yeah, what's on the back of your SEN Afternoons T-shirt? Yeah, you better let us know that one as well. We better get ourselves to the break because coming up after that, we're going to speak to Steffi. And oh, they'll be full of beans. They had a win in the World Cup. Anyway. Okay. Welcome back to the program. I know I get in trouble if I get there late. I'm going to get Mother's there right on time. There he is. Right on time. As per New Zealand. Very timely. <laughs> As per your big league program, right? That's it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. it. How's what your weekend? weekend? How's your weekend, Staffy? Just incredible. Like, I know you guys aren't as big into rugby as we are, but we had four <laughs> quarterfinals that were just incredible. Yeah. Just incredible. We're a, um, I think, you know, in, in rugby league terms, well, I think we're a third-tier rugby nation, aren't we? <laughs> oh, no, nah, you're still top tier, but geez, are we? Good. just, you got to hang in. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I, I went to, uh, had to drop my young bloke over to his job on... Um, Sunday morning at 7 o'clock, uh, working with Stewie Dickinson with the uh, cleaning out the dog kennels and walking the dogs and all that. Too. And Stewie's mate, Jacko Jackson, was there working. Uh, he's of New Zealand descent. Mm-hmm. I said, G'day, Jacko, how are you? He said, Nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and there he's pulled the phone out of the pocket and he's there watching watching that he said half time half time and then i saw him afterwards i said way well, well done how traumatic with that 34 35 phases at the end and he said yeah i had to tell the boys that at 7 30 we had a little 15 minute rugby break <laughs> to watch the last stages of the match how has the country responded mate oh like uh, like Part relief, part ecstatic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, just every single player played well, right down to a guy who came on for the last five minutes to replace Sam Kane. And in that last four minutes, he made nine tackles and missed none. Yeah. Um, and he only played four or five minutes and he was absolutely exhausted at yeah. the end. But yeah. that, that last five minutes was just, just, I mean, I can say it now, it's just theatre. It would have been devastating if we hadn't have won it. It was. Something pretty special. To my Irish brother-in-law, Nige, who got a heap of people round to his place, 5 a.m. Brisbane time. Um, he was devastated. <laughs> like, he was just devastated. He was fully kitted out. Um, they've never got past the quarterfinal stage. And this is a side that's been ranked number one in the world. I think it was their first loss in 17 matches. It's, 
Devastating, devastating for them. Um, all right, what about this, mate? Michael Check has taken the Argentina side into the World Cup semi-finals <laughs> against New Zealand. I mean, it's a mismatch, as the other game looks as well, too. South Africa, England, but that's extraordinary for Argentina. Yeah, look, they were benefactors along with England and Australia of getting the easier side of the draw. True. Of course. Um, but, you know, you still have to win games. Wales were the other ones as well, but you still have to win games. Um, yes, Eddie. The, yes, Eddie. I mean, no no offence um, intended, but Argentina and England should get absolutely flogged with this, this yeah. weekend. They probably won't because there's so much on the line. I could see both us and South Africa playing a bit more conservatively, making sure they get that win. But heck of a performance by Argentina. And... They've got the one thing that the rest of the rugby nations in the world haven't gotten. I don't mean Michael Checker. I mean South American passion, fervour, feel no pain, we can beat anyone type thing. And they did it to the All Blacks last year under Czech and David Kidwell. I I can't see them doing it again, but can't and won't are two different words. So here's the other thing with France losing in that, huge match against South Africa. Does it open up the opportunity, if you're from well, England, um, but if you're from Argentina or New Zealand, you go there now to the semifinals and the finals, you're a much better chance of getting a ticket. You are. I mean, the scalpers. Um, I talked to Jamie Heaslip, former Irish number eight this morning. Um, we're going to play that interview tomorrow. He said 60,000 Irish left last week for France. 60,000 of them. Wow. How many of them made it to France? Um, they all make it. Did they? Uh, well done. They all make it. Uh, between thirty-five and 38,000 had tickets and yeah. went, and the others just went to be in France, Yeah, and they experienced that. And, and I'm not going to poo-poo on the Irish. They beat us last year. They have bought so many latent sports fans from the Northern Hemisphere and from New Zealand and other parts of the world to the game of rugby with the way they've played and the way they've made other teams play to compete with them. They've been a breath of fresh air yeah. on the world rugby calendar. Yeah. Anyway, we're not a rugby nation nor a cricket nation. We're more of a rugby league slash netball nation yeah, over yes, here. Right. So just just to let you know. <laughs> Your netballers are pretty good. Oh, they're, they're outstanding. They're nearly as – well, I mean, we've got the women's cricket team. They're phenomenal. Um, yes, they are. The Diamonds are pretty – pretty red hot as well. The rugby league team's a good one. Although, that's a very strong side that Madge is still... How is our man Semi? Is he okay with Madge taking on the New South Wales job or is he... Look, he's got the day off again today. Oh, because he called the game. He called it, He called the early game. So he was in work 2.30 this morning so I can sort of excuse him that. Oh, fair I can, enough. I can't excuse him that. The, yeah. In the rugby league, um, I want to talk about the Jillaroos and, the, and our Kiwis. Kiwi Ferns, yeah. Um, nine debutants in the Kiwi Ferns. Jimmy, this this to me, last year, last time we played them, Aussie put 50 on us. This time they put 16 on us. Yeah. This is massive for Women's League in New Zealand and it shows how good having a lot of Kiwis now in the NRLW and what a great competition that is for upping our skills, upping our exposure, the whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. So Ricky Henry, I remember watching him uh, after that World Cup final and like the, he just wanted the ground to swallow him up because yeah. it, it, like it got past embarrassing and, and that's the, the challenging thing around that one. But as you say, you make a really good point. Start looking through 
the team sheet now for this Kiwi Fern site, and you're looking at very familiar names all coming out of the NRL, of the vast majority coming out of the NRLW, and you go, yeah, okay, we've got our, got ourselves um, another year exposure to elite level training, um, a, a freshening up of the entire side, and you know it's really good. We love this Jillaru side, right? Because it's stacked yeah. full of talent, but don't worry, plenty of talent in the Kiwi Fern side as well, which. Um, Org as well. Mal's taking the team down to Albury after they come back together. Uh, Reuben Cotter had his wedding uh, yesterday, uh, and he got through the game unscathed. So that was that was good. And then uh, Mal's taking them down to Albury to just spread the word a little bit there. Where's Where, Albury? Yeah, it's right on the it's uh, on the Murray River, so it's a border town. So Albury Wodonga. Okay. Albury's on the New South Wales side of the border, and Wodonga is on the Victorian side of the border for that for that game down in Melbourne. So where would Michael Maguire take where, – where, what area of New Zealand would like exposure to high-level rugby league players? Oh, we know a lot of teams go to Queenstown because it's so beautiful, but it's bloody expensive. Right. Um, where would he – Well, I, I know how tight should... most of the Kiwis I know are, so that would be no good. Yeah, well, you know, it's the exchange rate, Jimmy, you know. <laughs> but we've got good chips and pies. Yeah. Um, I reckon he should take to somewhere like Huntley. Huntley. Yeah. What's the what's the key tourist attraction at Huntley? KFC. <laughs> There's a uh, sleepyhead bed manufacturers there. Ooh, that and one sounds of our good. Great, one of our great list, listeners, Brett. He's from there. It's it's a good place. It's got a stock car track. So we'll just go and see Brett. Just go and see Brett. <laughs> yeah, on his wind trainer. And uh, Tawera Nico is from Huntley. Oh wow! What a Are legend. What a legend. Uh, Hey, we're getting this in too. McHugh, who I know you're familiar with his work. Big fan of McHugh. Uh, Staffy, all the best to the All Blacks in the World Cup. I'm with you, Anzacs. God bless. So there you go. A bit of support. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I won't read the next one. (laughs) He said through Less complimentary. Be nice. Be nice. Hey, Staffy, great to chat, mate. Enjoy your week. We'll do it again on Friday. Okay, buddy. Uh, There he is, Mark Stafford. He's a great man uh, from the SENZ crew. Righto, break. Back to wrap up the first. Welcome back to the program. Into the second hour. Big hour coming up. Trent Thomas, the managing director and publisher at Media Week. He'll be our special guest. He's always here on a Monday. So we'll have a chat to him about what you've been doing over the course of the after, uh, weekend. Afternoons Amplified. That'll be with Coach K. We'll get to a lot of these text messages. A lot of people having their say around the anthem, the singing or the non-singing of it. I wonder how many of the outrage. This comes in from Pete from Port Kembla even know the words to the second verse. I am not Indigenous and I don't sing our anthem. Why we can't respect everyone's choice, whether to sing or not. I'd prefer the whole team not to sing it, but that's me. Everyone's thoughts are different. The referendum failing to get up and the outrage over the anthem show we have so far to go regarding recognition and respect for First Nations people. How about having a new anthem, which we can all be proud of? Keep up the good work, Jimmy. Pete from Port Kembla. P.S. The no campaign was the divisive one. New flag and new anthem would be a good start. But, unfortunately, we are going backwards as a country. So that is your thoughts, Pete. I obviously have similar thoughts on many of those things, but each to their own is what I say. G'day, Shagger. I told you Bolden would only need three rounds to get the rust off. He looked fantastic yesterday. That's from the Reptile. Now, the Reptile knows his basketball because he played a little bit for the Razorbacks. Um, And I thought Jonah Bolden was excellent yesterday. Uh, Geordie Hunter, the standout, but yes, absolutely. So then we see this from 
Stormy Daniel from Prairiewood. Jimmy, I echo the sentiments of Max Krilich, Ken Arthurson and Peter Peters. It's disappointing to see Australian players not singing the anthem. Individual choice, sure. But pulling on the national jersey represents all Australians, regardless of creed or colour. So players opposing the anthem are happy to be selected, happy to take the remuneration from the ARL Commission, happy to take the field, yet aren't happy to sing the anthem of the country that has given them the opportunity to be professional athletes and lead the lives they do. Opposing the anthem and the flag because a player has established a position of choosing to be aggrieved of colonisation, then oppose the jersey and give it to someone that is proud to be Australian. That's Stormy Daniel from Prairiewood. So there you go. That's what I call the alternate view. And everyone, everyone is entitled to their own view. Um, not singing the anthem makes me sick. Give them six months in the army. This is DK11. So I think tongue firmly in. The Chinese authority would have watched that and would be circling. Bulldog Richie needs to rally. Gary Jack, Ray Price and Co. To get around these bikes. Thank you, DK11. Always just a, just a little bit different. Uh, Jimmy, can you ask Staffy from SENZ, how the hell did that punter pick the 10 horses in correct order for the Everest? That's from Lidzy. I remember he was talking about that, wasn't he, Lidzy? And sure enough, we get this. I sent your text message to the SENZ crew and... Staffy said, yep, Everest, 12 in correct order, one ten million. I'm still working out whether they, uh, they've been identified or who it was. Sometimes they'd like to be anonymous around these things. That is incredible. I couldn't pick the horse that ran first or second or third, <laughs> but they did it. So well done to them. Thank you for that, Lizzy. We're talking a lot about Tim Zhu, his impressive performance against uh, Brian Mendoza. That was yesterday, signaled to the world that he's ready to take on anyone and everyone, in particular Jermel Charlo, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford. You would think if the sole taker is to take on those opponents in the super welterweight division, it won't be in Australia. So um, he might have gone beyond Australia after that performance. So on the back of Jai Opatea winning two weekends ago, we've now got Tim Zhu uh, winning this weekend and doing Australian boxing Really proud. And we made mention of, too, uh, very briefly, that we are a netballing country. So Australia, 500th test match. The Diamonds had a win against uh, New Zealand, 55 to 46, in front of 9,000 fans. So 9,000 fans there at Brisbane Entertainment Centre. They've got a couple of games to go, but 9,000 fans, and, and we'll speak to Trent about it. I'd imagine there weren't that many more watching along at home. So always happy to take your thoughts on that. Let's go to the open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Chris is there to have his say. G'day, Chris. G'day, Jimmy. How are you going? Really well, thanks, mate. What do you got for us today? Mate, I just wanted to talk about this Cricket World Cup and, yes. and one reason why we might not be doing so well at it. And I thought it's maybe because we don't actually play much one-day cricket anymore. I was just, just having a look at some stats and I'm just using these guys because of their, their age. But if you have a look, Ricky Ponting played about 450 one-day games. Mm. David Warner, who's played pretty much his whole career, he's at about 150 for his whole career. Now, how can we expect to win a World Cup when we never seem to play the game until you know five or six warm-ups before the World Cup? And then we think we're going to be the best in the world at it. So my next question on that, Chris, is, uh, well, first of all, a statement. Really good research on that one. The second point is, how does it compare with other countries? Like, are, are, are other countries playing more 50-over cricket and we're getting left behind? Or is that 
symptomatic across all countries? Well, well, I don't know, but I do know our players don't come back and play even in their domestic level. Now, I don't know if that happens in other um, in other countries, but if you're not playing the game at all at any sort of level, how, how can you be expected to be the best in the world at it? Now, I don't know what the other countries are doing, but certainly, uh, you know, I guess you'd have a look. And if you pick somebody, uh, I guess, I, I don't know, how many one-day matches has Virat Kohli played in his career? Because he's about the same age as... Steve Smith. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm just going to look that up. Uh, so most individual matches, I think Sachin Tendulkar is the man out in front with 463, and then you got Jay Wardner, Sri Lanka, Jaya Saria, Sri Lanka, Sangakara, Sri Lanka, Shahid Afridi with 398, Inzaman Al Haq, Ricky Ponting is there on 375, as you mentioned, Akram. So a lot of subcontinental players and not many recently retired players or, or indeed current players. All right, where's the highest play? Virat Kohli, highest place current player at 284. So I think it's symptomatic of most other countries as well. Uh, and then you go well, back to RG Sharma, 254 current players. Well, well that's right. But I, I think you'd find even with that, that means Coley is playing double the amount of one-day cricket that someone like Steve Smith or, or Dave Warner is playing. Okay. Which is, how do, how do we possibly think we're going to be the best in the world at it? Okay, it's a really good point. And now I'm looking for the um, highest-placed current player for Australia, and there's no one played over 200. So, hmm, good pickup, Chris. I like I mean, that. We, we, did, we didn't even have any one-day one day games last summer at all apart from the few against England which were delayed from the year before so being that the cricket scheduling is planned a couple of years ahead yes. they had none planned for last summer and I, I mean I, I don't know I haven't got the schedule in front of me but I'd wonder how much how many one day games are planned for this summer I'll what ask you this I'll from? ask you this Chris would you prefer to watch a one day international or a big bash game Oh, one day international easily. Yeah, and and I think the numbers certainly the numbers on Channel Seven uh, for one day internationals and, and it might have looked empty at the stadium, but the numbers were still very good from a television point of view. So the the TV execs know that when they put them on, they rate. Uh, interesting. Good on you, Chris. Uh, appreciate the call. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. New uh, Hey Jimmy, the new anthem is a great idea. It needs to be changed. To we are one, but we are many. The anthem is old and outdated. That's Bulldogs Benny. Um, that would get a lot. If, imagine if you put that to a plebiscite. I know we're sick of referendums, but put that to a plebiscite, Bulldog Benny, and I wonder how the voting would go. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. But up next, Trent Thomas from Media Week. Welcome back to the program, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 That's the open line number, the text line, 0457-736-736. Trent Thomas is our man. By the way, thank you. Thank you very much. Trent Thomas has announced in my Media Week email last week that he's got himself a promotion. Wow. Let's find out where we actually have our man Trent Thomas from today. Hello, Trent. Hey, Jimmy, you guys wouldn't bump me up to series regular, so I had to promote myself. <laughs> um, I was holding out for um, a, week, a, a daily spot, but I guess I'm just going to have to 
um, stick with managing director. Yeah, so I was devastated when we missed out on that Accra. I was there on Saturday night, <laughs> and I was wait. The sports category came up. I waited with bated breath. Yes, nothing. nothing. Yeah, disappointing. Managing director <laughs> of Media Week. Congratulations, mate. Then, in all seriousness, that's fantastic. Well done. No, thank you. Appreciate the kind words. It feels weird coming from you. It's not an insult. <laughs> <laughs> Just teasing. Uh, what I it, appreciate it. What, what it does, I think you're like Heather Locklear, remember, on Melrose Place. Like, she, she got last on the billing, but it said, and also starring. So you just thought, oh, hang on, there's, <laughs> there's, something, well, there's something going I on here. you get compared to Heather Locklear all the time. <laughs> so that, that makes sense. Exactly. First thing that comes to my mind anyway. Uh, now, where exactly are you? There's a bit of ambient noise. Trent, where are you right now? Um, at South by Southwest Sydney. Oh. It's starting to get popping. First one in the APAC region. It's a, a whole week of very big things, music, festivals, uh, film festivals, media, marketing, um, everything and everything. But... But I'm always available for this SEN spot, Jimmy. Uh, I for my cold, dead hands. Yes, well said, well said. Uh, I know that South by Southwest, a lot of people there wondering how the numbers were for the Kangaroos taking on Samoa on Saturday night. What, what did we see with the International Rugby League making a return, Trent? Uh, not bad, mid-200s. I think, you know, international rugby is an interesting one. It's probably the only area that rugby union beats rugby league. Mm. in that the interest level of casual, whereas the international rugby league almost loses viewers. Yeah. The, um, whereas the Wallabies massively grow on their weekly um, regular season. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's not finals either. So, But it is a good time slot. So it'll be interesting how these numbers continue to build as we go, especially when it's Australia... Um, taking on some of the some more marketable teams. But yeah. Samoa's got a really big niche and very, very popular, especially in southwest Sydney. But it's still your more traditional powerhouses that draw the bigger TV ratings. And, and then the other thing, of course, a lot of people interested in the outcome of the referendum with the voice on uh, Saturday night yeah, as well. Lots of noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of noise competing with the rugby league that night as well. Yeah. Which didn't help. I think once you throw in KO and B what everything is probably close to the five hundred. Yeah. So not bad. Like it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Of course we've got Samoa versus New Zealand this week. Uh what about the uh, I was gonna say NRLW, but the women's fixture, the the Gillaroos up against the the Kiwi Ferns, a much closer game, much more competitive than the World Cup final which we saw just months ago. How are those numbers? Yeah, 75,000. Good. Yeah. Like, it's an increase of what their normal numbers are, so the opposite to um, the men's is there. But, yeah, 75,000, that's maybe double what a normal NRLW game would do. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. So, Got to be happy with that. Absolutely. Uh, and, again, uh, with the voice on and all, uh, you can see in the ratings, the associated programs, the, the, the dominance around that. The Everest was on Saturday night. Now, I don't come up in the survey because Tracy and I went to the Royal Hotel at Camden and we watched it from there. But <laughs> I'd imagine that the Channel 7 would be very excited. So, too, Sky Racing and so, too, Turnover on the event, which I know you don't have those numbers, but what about the TV numbers? The TV numbers, yeah. 
242,000 on free to air. Like, those are, those are solid numbers for horse racing. They're not Melbourne Cup numbers, but no one particularly gets close to that. But um, once again, it's a, it was a real weird weekend with all the politics going on. So I think they'd be happy with that result. I'm a Mac MacArthur Tavern man myself, Jimmy. <laughs> Of course, that's at Gregory's College stronghold, that one. Um, uh, ICC Cricket World Cup, we had India versus Pakistan. Uh, really, really good numbers here, but of course, um, phenomenal numbers around the globe. What were the, what were the numbers here in Australia? Um, for, the reason I put this on my list today is breaking six figures for a non-Australian cricket match is yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, I think one of the few times I've ever seen this happen, like I don't know the exact number but the Indian Pakistan to get um over a hundred thousand I think one seventy five was um a really solid number. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah, with Australia struggling at least they'll they'll get some decent numbers from um some decent numbers from the India India if they go strong. Yeah. Well I'm just looking at last night on across um, Fox Sports, the England versus Afghanistan match, which we've been talking about, fifty thousand people watching that in Australia, which is which is very more than the for you know we know how popular netball is from a participation point of view, but more people were watching that the the England versus Afghanistan game than were watching the Australia versus New Zealand game, thirty seven thousand. So it's. Uh, it's a strong tournament, strong tournament. Hey, I want to ask you about this. We don't have numbers on Rugby World Cup. We've had a couple of incredible quarterfinals that have been played out over the course of the weekend. What about Optus Sport numbers for the EPL? I remember years ago, and it might be a decade ago, that they they would get 250,000, 300,000 people for that 9pm game on a Saturday night when it was on Fox Sports. We don't have numbers from Optus, but we've just had Ange Postacoglu being named for the second month in a row as manager of the month, and surely there's a surge in interest from Australia just with Ange alone. Yeah, I, you're right. Those numbers back in the day were very, very strong. With Optus, due to it being behind a different type of paywall to what Foxtel is, as you know, we've been known on this program, we don't have as much access to those numbers. But I would say I'm pretty confident they wouldn't be as high as they were on Fox Sports. No. But at the same time, if it was now, would they still be as high on Fox Sports? The amount of broken up and segregated audience, probably not. I think the days of having a concentrated 250, 300,000 for international sport that is a regular season game is probably over, but I, they'd still be doing really strong numbers on Fox. I'm sure they do strong numbers on Optus based on their commercial modelling. Yes. But it wouldn't be what they were or could be on Fox Sports just due to the amount of raw subscribers Fox Sports has compared to Optus. And I think when that deal went across from Fox Sports to Optus, and we're talking six or seven years ago now, the, the multiple was three, the what they were prepared to pay for the rights compared to Fox Sports at the time. So uh, from an EPL point of view, it's working for them because they're getting three times the level of revenue out of a uh, far-flung country like Australia. Mate, um, Sri Lanka... The oh, yeah, EPL's not complaining, mate. No, no, EPL's no, comp- no complaints. Complaining. No, no complaints <laughs> from the EPL. Sri Lanka v Australia tonight, crucial match in the ICC Cricket World Cup. We look forward to that. There'll be strong numbers around that as well. Uh, based on the fact that you're a South by Southwest, you'll probably be home by Thursday. So um, enjoy that, Trent, <laughs> and we'll catch up next Monday. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Talk to you next week.
Thank you, Amy. Welcome back to the program. Just before we get to Afternoons Amplified. Hey, Jimmy, the Irish drank all the beer in Tuscany. Not a drop left in the town we were visiting. That's from Joel. Is that right? Uh, now, we know Joel, who's gone over to the Rugby World Cup. So, Joel, thank you for the update on Tusk. So, if anyone, this this is like when you put out a, something on the traffic news, right? Uh, it goes to everyone, even though no one's going to be anywhere near that particular intersection. And remember, it's all based around advertising. But just just a general word of warning today for anyone who's thinking of visiting Tuscany, there's no beer. Just thought I'd let you know that. After what happened with the referendum, it's understandable that the Indigenous players refused to sing the anthem. That's from Tony. I think that's probably a simplistic view of it, Tony, but they certainly would have been in, would not have been encouraged to do it. Uh, G'day, Shagger. What a call by Chris. Spot on. What a legend. That's uh, the reptile talking about Chris, who brought up the number of ODIs played by David Warner compared to Ricky Ponting. And uh, I think we have to say that subcontinental teams, there was India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, to a lesser degree, Bangladesh, all very heavily represented in uh, number uh, players who have played the most number of ODIs. And there was plenty of current players included in that. No Australian current player has played more than 200 ODIs. Ricky Ponting played 400 and no, 375. Did we get to? All right, uh, let's get to this. Afternoons Amplified. Coach. Jimmy, what are you amplifying? Hey, can you get amplify this for me? What do you have for? Yeah, we had uh, in the news mm. the story that Tom Brady is being heavily recruited by the NRL to uh, be there in attendance mm. at Allegiant Stadium for mm. round zero. So my question then for you mm. and the listeners mm. is, what's in it for Tom Brady? It's rugby league, brother. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what could you possibly give him that he hasn't got? Well, that's what I want to know. What, what what could he possibly want that he hasn't got already? I do know I've seen pictures of him at the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. So maybe Peter Volandis could say, listen, we'll invite you down to the Everest. Is that commingling? <laughs> commingling bit, yeah. of sports, no, not of pools? It's not even like, hey, Tom Brady, why don't we get you out every night to all these events for a whole week and you can enjoy it all on us because he's done that millions of times before. Okay, so, yeah, so it, the, the connection is he works, he's going to be working for Fox. Um, obviously, Fox are going over there, Brisbane Broncos, majority News Limited owned. So maybe, maybe that is the... The opportunity there. Remember, uh, two-buck chat. Oh, you should have seen him. He strolled yeah. over because, you know, he's got an obsession with Tom Brady. He strolled over and said, yeah, Tom Brady, because he's a part owner of the LA Raiders. And I'm like, no, he's not. Mm. So it was knocked back by the NFL. So Mark Davis, who is yes. the son of the legendary Al Davis, owner of the now Las Vegas Raiders and owner of the Las Vegas Aces, who won the WNBA, um, so Brady's a part owner of the Aces, and they tried to get him as a part owner of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, right? But the valuation, so the the celebrity discount that Mark Davis was offering Tom Brady was so low that it was rejected by the other NFL owners. Why would you do that? Well, that's like someone in your street selling a house at a greatly reduced price. It has an impact on all the other right. prices that they've already had someone pay $5 billion for the Denver Broncos and $6 billion for the Washington Commanders. So he's not going to, if you discount that, he wanted 5%. If you discount that because, hey, it's Tom Brady and I'll give it to you for $100 million or $50 million, then you're going, right, well, the valuation is $1 billion. And all the other owners are going, no, 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 no. Mm. Can't do that. So he's not actually a part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Okay. But when you start talking about those amounts of money, like what's PVL going to like, I'll give you three grand for, t- <laughs> for turning I'll, up. I'll give you three grand. <laughs> you know, and then you always get the hagglers. Yeah. Nah, no, I want four. Oh. All right, well, we can't give you four, but if you give you three, you only have to turn up for 20 minutes and you just have to say good day to a few people. Let us get some photos and leave. You know, it sounds outrageous, Jimmy. It sounds know? very Brian Fletcher, but anyway. It, it does. But look, if, they, <laughs> if the kid Leroy is going to be the man yes. that's going to sing, he, yes. I would argue... At this stage of his career, all the hype around the kid Leroy, he's massive around the world, mm. massive in America at the moment. Mm. I would say that's a good start. Yeah, it's a perfect start. Yeah. Perfect start. I mean, is he Tom Brady? Well, no. No, of course he's not. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I applaud. You know what they've done? You know what they've done? They've started uh, at the top. Oh, lecture Coach from K, Jimmy. Right? Lecture from they've Jimmy, They've started everyone. at the top and then they've worked their way down. Not mm. start at the bottom and work their way up. All right. It's a clear, different strategy. We see it in place on lots of Friday nights and Saturday mm. nights, the regular establishments that people go to. You've got to start at the top and work your way down. All right. When so, does the bell go for recess? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> nice lesson. I'm telling you. Yeah. Now, what were we supposed to be talking <laughs> yeah. about here? With what what, what we missed. Now, this is really interesting. This is doing the rounds in the media around Australia. Now, Dorking Manager. So it's a football club. Dorking Wanderers is what they're called. They're Dorking. Over, they're, they're over there in the UK, yes. Dorking Wanderers Where FC. Else? Yeah. So have a listen to this. So his name is Mark White. He's the coach. Now, have to listen to this language. I really hope uh, they get something amazing that's life-changing so my shit players can learn a lesson because they were so poor. And I'll tell you one thing. I will always put my hand up. It's not about availability, injuries, who was returning, who wasn't. It was about the fact that that team let the fans down 100%, wholeheartedly. Sometimes I get the management team to take the blame, part blame. Today was wholeheartedly a bunch of players that were absolutely shit. All right, so... So is that Glenn Hoddle's younger brother or something? <laughs> no, it's, I just finished that episode too, by the way. The Beckham oh, doco. The Beckham. Very interesting. Didn't he just throw... But the, they had issues leading up to that game. Like, mm. Beckham was the best player in the country and they had him on the bench. Yeah. They had issues. They did indeed. So in regards to this, Jimmy, they were playing Horsham. This is Dorking Wanderers on Saturday. Right. For the chance to reach, to reach the first round proper of the FA Cup right. for the first time in their history and they lost 2-0. Right, and it was all the players' fault, apparently. Apparently so. Now, this probably <laughs> explains why this bloke is coaching a side that's in the National League. So, can you, you know, just listen to that language. Imagine if you're the players and you hear that. You just think to yourself, I don't want to play for this well, bloke. what about the next time he goes for a job, when he goes for a job? Can you think about, uh, we'll get some senior players in, get their thoughts on it? <laughs> well... So he thinks he's in 1983, mm. that guy. He does a bit. Look, 2 not even really a flogging. I mean, if they played horrendously, yeah, okay, fair enough. But I don't look at that and think to myself, Well, yeah, they might have. They, he might have thought they should have won 5-0. Well, I'm sure every coach does. And that's a seven-goal swing. So um, there you go. I'm sure every coach does indeed. Hey, Jimmy, also, I've got some interesting audio as well. Cameron Murray's Sports Sunday oh, yes. and Channel 9. Now, listen to these endorsements for the great Michael Maguire. Who? Our man. Our man. Madge. I would love to rekindle our relationship there. I think it got cut a little bit short. I thought I was going to be under him for the 2018 season, but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be. But uh, Madge was a massive part of my career, particularly earlier on. Uh, He was in and around the club since I was about 15, 16 years old, coming through the junior ranks and uh, instilled a lot of belief in me. uh, And he was a great mentor for me coming through. And obviously, like you said, gifted me my debut and 
you know, that's where my career started and uh, I've got a lot of admiration uh, and, and gratitude towards Madge for what he did for me at the start of my career. I just love it, Jim, because Cameron Murray is a star now and a bit of that development was to do with Madge. Just like Reuben Cotter, who is a tight ass and had his wedding on a Sunday, but also had Mal Meninga in the bridal party. He didn't, but I'm just, you know, so maintaining his selection. We talked about it with Michael Hagen. So too, Cameron Murray makes an early play to be captain, <laughs> assistant coach of the New South Wales Blues. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm being facetious on that one, but um, of course that's the way. Mm. If, you, if you have a coach that gives you your first first grade game, that forever, they're forever. Mm. Uh, a part of your life. They helped you uh, and allowed you and encouraged you to achieve your dream. So is he going to be the starting lock forward for the New South Wales Blues? That is a great question. So if you look at that and go, what worked Mm. game three, New South Wales? Mm. It was really, he plays differently to Isaiah Yo. We know how, we we, we always say, oh, you know, the Penrith style of play, but, you know, or, or the, um, Jake Trebojevich or Victor Radley or um, Pat Carrigan can do it, but mostly Isaiah Yo and Cam Murray. Cam plays different to Isaiah. Isaiah, you have a look at him, he goes across field, doesn't he? Mm. He goes across field and he'll have a player on the inside turn in and then he'll stop and straighten and then might go out the back to Nathan or might dummy and go himself, right? That's You watch, I'd love to see a little pattern of how this guy runs. Have a look at how Cameron Murray runs. How does he run? Yeah. We run straight. Straight. Good footwork. Not even footwork. Straight right at that defender. So that defender's got to move, the one who's just to the left of him. I'm thinking on the left-hand side. You think about that third origin game. He had the defender coming to him, and as soon as he got into the line, he had the option to go short there, or he goes doesn't even square his hips up. He goes right out the back to Cody Walker. Mm. And that caused them all sorts of problems, Queensland. So can you play Isaiah Yo on an edge and put Cam Murray at, at – could you play Isaiah Yo in the middle as a front rower? He did that in that yeah. third game of State of Origin and have Cameron Murray as a, as a lock foot. There's a, there's a lot of options there for New South Wales. There's a, there's a lot of football to be played and all that sort of stuff. But um, Cam Murray, I know he said some really nice things about Michael Maguire. He will you, full, fully fit. Definitely a part of New South Wales plans next year. Absolutely. And just lastly, shout out to Mitchell Pearce. Didn't go to plan. We touched on the score. Uh, 10-2 Wigan over Cutterline Dragons. But what a career for Mitchell Pearce. Uh, I grew up as a young kid watching him make his debut. and As a yeah, 17-year-old. Yeah, full of talent. Really was. Um, but, yeah, great result there. The other players in that game in the Super League Grand Final, just quickly, Jimmy, as well. We had Manu Ma'o, uh, Adam Kieran, Matt Ikevalu, yeah. Tyro May. So there's a lot of Sia Takiaho as well. So uh, good Grand Final. Very tight. Takiaho, good numbers too uh, at the Bulldogs next year. So uh, another thing to be positive about with the Bulldogs fans. All right, let's get ourselves. We've gone a little longer there with our Tom Brady chat. But anyway, let's get to the break and then we're back with more of your text messages. Stick around. Okie dokie. Welcome back. Third and final hour of the program today. Looks like we're going in all sorts of directions. one 300 0-1-11-70. That is the open line number. Get us on that text line as well. Keep lots of text messages coming in. Keep them coming in. 0457-736-736. Coming up very shortly, the flock. So get on the line. one 300 one Code Sports, Daniel Cherney talking about this big game tonight against Sri Lanka. Winners and losers as well. So we've got that here. So what do we got? Oh, winning. Thank you, Charlie. And then... Le-hill. 
And that's Ace Ventura there. But right now we've got to go to this. Time now for the two o'clock flock. All right, we're all over the place here. Lots of different topics being covered today. Uh, just before we get to Stevie up there in Brisbane, Jimmy, I'm across all sports like yourself. I'm not joking when I say we could do a lot worse than sending Sock over to the subcontinent, depending on his fitness. I'm a Sydney Sixers fan, and Sock's darting balls that spin a touch is perfect for the subcontinent. Well, um, Sock's not the appropriate guy, and I don't think you mind me saying that, you know, right now. But where's our left arm finger spinner? Do we have one? Surely everyone else seems to have one. We don't have one. Anyway, they'll be right. They'll be right. They'll beat Sri Lanka tonight. Oh, dear. Famous last words. Hello, Stevie. Afternoon, Jim. What do you got for us, bud? Uh, for your T-shirt, mate. Oh, yeah. Afternoons with Jimmy Smith and Coach K. And on the back, if you didn't drink beforehand, you may need to ask. <laughs> Really appreciated your support all the way along, Steve. <laughs> so if, if, if you didn't drink, if you didn't drink, so we're driving people to drink. Is that what you're saying? Yep, that's about. Oh, well, most of the, the knobs like me that you get on there will drive them to drink. Yeah, uh, so. just on that self-describe too. There, by the way, Stevie, how'd yep. that tip of yep. yours go yep. on the weekend? Absolutely horrible. But then again, so did every bet that I had. Yeah, uh, so. seemed to be one of those weekends. Anyway, um, if they yeah, if, yeah, if, if the blind side April Ridge, you just keep naming them miles on them. Well, so, yeah. if they seem to run well, then they got caught in a pocket. Uh, seemed to be the way it goes for me. But anyway, good on you, Stevie. Thank you, mate. Keep those calls coming in. Uh, now, Mike's on the line from Callumvale. G'day, Mike. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, the national anthem thing. Um, I have to go back to Will Chambers before the origin in 2019. He, um, a reporter said to him that uh, South Africa and New Zealand, they have an anthem that acknowledges both sides of our heritage. And I thought about it and I thought, yeah, we do have a lot of Indigenous and non-Indigenous spouses from um, maybe all parts of the world. And I thought, let's look at a, the NRL, you know, has an international match. Um, could we have some very talented Indigenous singers and songwriters just adding into the Welcome to Country, the Shannon Ros Ruska uh, dance and crowd engagement, which, by the way, goes very well. Um, the Welcome to Country is always welcome, welcome, welcome. But we, we struck a, a spot where half the team sings the Australian National Anthem and half doesn't. So yep. could, we, could we have an Indigenous one? Um, because I think it's getting to the point where, um, yeah, we get we get the point of Will Chambers and, you know, Latrell Mitchell and all them, but I think, um, you know, they've, they've shown us that they don't want to talk the talk, but, say, creating a, their own anthem, um, I think that would fit in. And um, so maybe it's time that, um, yeah, they walk the walk in that area rather than just sort of, uh, it looks like, they're not contributing anything. I'm sure they are behind the scenes. Yeah. But, um, Can I put it to you this way, Mike? So the yep. significance of the South African anthem, which I'm less familiar with, but certainly very familiar with the New Zealand anthem. The thing about that, it's all the yep. one song. It's it's the one song that represents all the people rather than having two yep. songs. You know, two songs is, is, yep. is still divisive, right? Oh, here's your anthem and here's our anthem. What about our yep. anthem? I think we could get to that point. Yeah. I'm just not sure if there's a transition point. Um, and I think eventually people will say, well, geez, do we really need, you know, our anthem? This 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 Indigenous one reflects both, which is what Will 
Chambers said he wanted. Um, yeah. Because there's tongue, there's all sorts of different people here now, and I don't know whether that was reflected in the weekend vote, but I won't, I won't buy into that. No. Connect them even. But. No. Um, well, here's the thing that always gets me, Mike, and that is that 30% of the people that live in Australia right now, so what's that? One third of 26 million, um, say 8.5 million people were not born in this country. A third of Australia's population was not born in this country. Hello, Trev. Trev, where you been? Uh, Jimmy, uh, you know, unlike you, I don't get to sit behind a microphone and, and just waffle my way through life. I've actually got a, a job to do and, you know, I've got many things and it's pro-am season, so I've got lots of work to do out there. Uh, pro-am so, season? What do you, what, so what do you do yeah. for work, Trev, if you don't mind my inquiry? Uh, I, I play golf. I teach golf. Uh, I do all that. Yeah, right. There you go. Now, you didn't ring up to tell me. No, no, I didn't ring up to tell you that. But um, what I did ring up to tell you, I was at the at the brewery the other night and I was watching a uh, a vintage match and Mal Meninga was singing the national anthem. And you asked what's changed in times. It's because um, we're run by the left and the left has agendas. Right. And so you look at someone like Albanese and I'll give you a quote. When a clown goes into a palace, he doesn't become a king, Jimmy. The palace becomes a circus. And that's what we live in. A, we live in a circus. And that's why we have all these different agendas. And that's why people don't sing anthems. And goodness knows what. We did it 20, 30 years ago. Not a problem. Yeah. Okay, Trev, you realise Mal Meninga's not an Indigenous Australian? Well, he is. No, he's not. No, he's... Um, I'll, and I'll check this, but he's ancestors were transported, might be the right word to use, might be the incorrect word, transported to Australia to work in the cane fields back in the day. So I'd have to check that exactly, but I, I know for a fact that Mal Meninga is not Indigenous Australian. So, um, and Trev, <laughs> very broad house of worship. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Rooster Ash is there to have his say. Hello, Rooster Ash. Hello, Jimmy. How are you, mate? I'm really well, thanks, buddy. What do you got for us today? Please don't cut me off. Okay, fire away. But I'm a traditionalist. Mm -hmm. When you are presented the highest outfit in the land, you you then go with the the theme of what we do on game day. We don't we don't have an indigenous song and a, a white Australia song and, and whatever. Mate, we have we have our national anthem mm. and that's what we sing. Mm. Now, if the indigenous players and you know, I watch Samoa and um, the other countries, Fiji or whatever, Papua New Guinea, and they cry because that's their passion to yes. get that jumper and that's the highlight, the highest part of their um, their job. That's what they aim for. And then to stand there on the biggest stage and have your mouth shut like you're being ignorant, I don't like that, Jimmy, one bit. 
So I would argue, Rooster Ash, I would argue that they're not being ignorant, that they've actually educated themselves on this. And so here's my next question to you. Do you think that those players, Payne Haas, Katoni Staggs, Hamaso Tabuaifito and Selwyn Cobbo, were disrespecting the national anthem? Yes. Okay. So I I, I don't believe they were. Jimmy, Jimmy, because we, we, we allowed the welcome to country, which I'm quite happy with. Right. Have, I do not have an argument with that. Right. Not one argument, one bit. But they didn't even, you know, like it's hard to, I'm trying to say like there, there's passion and I couldn't see the passion there on the weekend. I, I wanted them to sing and sing as loud as they possibly could because they chose to wear the green and gold. Yeah. So, I mean, I, okay. All I right. really... Rooster Ash, I'm sorry, mate. No, That's no. Me, mate. Do, do not be sorry. Do not be sorry for your beliefs. Um, I, I, I don't agree with those things that you've said, Rooster Ash, but I firmly believe in your right to say them. Okay, so we're getting, getting into this a little bit more than I probably wanted to, but um, Rooster Ash, you are absolutely entitled, and that is the benefit of our democracy, right? So we are not China where you you can't think differently to the state. If you're not happy with something, we have the option to vote someone in or out. Um, good on you, Rooster Ash. Thank you. Razor's there. Hello, Razor. You're looking good, Jimmy. Put it that way. <laughs> what do you got for us, buddy? Mate, I'm just going to come out and say it. By the middle of this week, there'll be a submission put in to the NRL for Papua New Guinea to be the next team in 2025 in the NRL mm-hmm. and it'll have the backing of one of the big six mining companies from Melbourne and their number one target will be Justin Ollum. Yeah. I'll tell you that, right. Believe believe it, Jimmy. You'll hear it. Okay, so Razor, um, Razor, here's the thing. Can I ask you this, Razor? Where was the crowd yesterday? What? Why Why were there not as many fans at that stadium for the Kummels versus Cook Islands? Well, if I repeat what was said in the car when you said it, Jimmy... They outpriced the the entry fee. Right. They just got over the the Australian thirteen test match, and the and the entry fee to get in was outpriced for the locals. Okay. Look, that I understand. So, I don't know the exact, but people say, oh, they're an emerging nation and all that. I think the the average wage in PNG is like a dollar fifty USD. That's the average wage, daily wage, dollar fifty. So um, you're talking barely above subsistence. So. Thank you, Razor. So there's a tip. P&G, uh, 2025, big six mining company attached to that. Um, no surprise on that. It's huge government support as well, I would have thought. Huge government support. Gary's there. G'day, Gaz. Hello, Jimmy. I'm just want to speak about uh, the NRL naturally. What else do I speak about? But I just want to make a I want the game to be a better game. That's how I think. I just want to make a couple of points. Do you think the, the West Tigers forward pack should have got the wooden spoon? No. I don't think so. And, and, there's, and there's other teams who should have been playing better in what they did. And, and, and the NRL and the, the clubs want our money. We're pulling our weight. We do things to help the club. And we're in the entertainment business, they say. I think we're in the peace of mind business. And there's a lot of clubs who are not pulling their weight, but they're getting our money. And it's disappointing. I just want to make a couple of points. Just on, just on buying good players from a good club and bringing them across to a not-as-good club, 
Very rarely you see them hold their form as they did at the good club, like the better club. So I'm saying, I'm saying, why is that the case? There's many reasons, but I'm going to point out one. I think. See, when when I look at football this way, you get you walk into a club. They're not a team of champions. So I say to myself, well, how do I get the best out of these players? So I say, right, what's their ability? We bought players, we understand their ability. So we work on their ability. And when they nail their, I might have mentioned this before, but it is important. When, you, when they nail their ability, you start adding on. I look at Canterbury. I've been dagging Canterbury for a while, a couple of years. And I look at Canterbury and, and they're, they're asking the players to do things. They're on track. The foundation is solid and they will succeed. But I think they're going a the long way about getting results on the paddock now. Okay. And, and I say, this. Yep. instead of saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, I say, right, this is what we've got. Work on their ability. Okay. Blend it into a team. Gaz, and when they're comp- we've got to go, mate. Sorry. It felt like a lot of pent-up stuff there for Gaz. I don't know. Uh, was he on earlier today? Did he not get a release earlier today? No? All right. Okay. Hello, Simon. Jimmy, how you going? <laughs> I'm well. I'm hanging in there. Oh, mate, I'll, get, I'll add just a little bit to what Gary was talking about. I've got something a little bit similar to what he was saying. Yes. In regard, I, after watching Sayafar Longo on the weekend for Samoa, geez, that kid, he's a superstar in the making. Mm. Two games we've seen him already, and he's done well on both occasions. That tells you that if Pappenhausen comes in, you've got to find a spot for this young bloke. Yes. You've got Xavier Cook and Warbrick on the wing. Someone like a Nick Meany probably could be on the outer. And as a Dragon supporter, I wouldn't mind taking him. That's a really interesting um, point. So uh, how does Craig Bellamy sell to Nick Meany, hey, mate, we're playing you in the centres this year? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. And, and Sua, far longer, is probably yeah. you're looking at him as your 14, right? And, and we're making a presumption that Pappenhausen is back to his near best. Correct. So as a Dragon supporter, there's... There's a possibility of, we, you know, we need a fullback. You know, he's better than what we have. He can goal kick. He's, you know, I think he's a solid player without being, you know, a great player. Yep. I know they're after Connor Tracy, so that could be a, another possibility. But yeah, but I just thought, what do you think of that? Uh, that has merit. You know what? It, that, that, and that's not a bad way to go about things, is it, Simon? So let's look at uh, who's, who's going to struggle to hold their first grade. And you don't want to go after, you know, fringe players all the time, but who's going to struggle to hold their spot? Okay, what opportunity could that create within our squad? You've got to ask yourself, is Nick Meany a better option than Tyrell Sloan, uh, depending on when he's back too, uh, given that injury? Richard's on the line. G'day, Richard. G'day, Jimmy. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. What do you got for us, Richard? Mate, why, why wouldn't you want to sing the national anthem loud and proud when representing your country? Why wouldn't you? Uh, so one of the things I'll say is this, because the feeling, and I don't know, so so I'm just I'm just making a presumption here, which is always dangerous, Richard. But uh, no, I, right. I, I would say that they say, okay, I don't believe in what this song represents. I'm representing Australia, this country, but I don't believe that this song best represents me or my people. So I'm not singing this song. I'm not disrespecting it. I'm not talking during the song. I'm not taking a knee. But I'm just choosing not to sing it. Should you be choosing not to be selected to represent your country then? Well, that's that's an interesting one. 
So at this point, the Australian selectors, Mal Meninga, Laurie Daly and Darren Lockyer are saying, no, we don't have a... And I'd imagine Peter Volandis would want to wade into this as well. At this point, they're saying, no. At, at, and it's not the first time it's happened. Certainly it's happened a lot at State of no, Origin no, level. I know. Yeah. I know. I just, you know, I've been brought up to sing my, my national anthem loud and proud every time I, I, I stand to hear it. How old are you, Richard? And... and 51. What's your ethnic background? I'm an Aussie. Right. Okay. Born <laughs> it's and bred. A, it's a good answer. It's a good answer. Um, <laughs> uh, enjoy chatting to you, Jimmy. Great good, show. Good on you, Richard. Thank you for your call, mate. I do appreciate it. Um, uh, never seen a less Australian bloke than you, Jimmy, ever, says Matt. So thank you for your support, Matt. Uh, you better go to Deb Knight. I think she's still on at the moment. Uh, yes. Uh, all right. Um, okay. Um, there's lots of calls coming in here, but I'm going to go to this man. Hello, Harry. Hello, Jim. If I know private eye is six to four a place and frisky three to five to four a place, I'd, I'd get Cunning and Beckham uh, place tote. I'd have won for me 50 on both of them, 140, but I... Back them each way and only won twenty dollars. Frisky Frida never passed the horse. She drew barrier one, and at the at the two hundred, I'm like Ken Howard now. I can't get the furlong <laughs> out there. But she goes through on the inside and got squeezed. She would have finished much closer than third. Yeah. Jimmy the and came this morning and interviewed me. It's going to be interesting. Touch the pensioner's money and I'll get you. <laughs> okay, we leave you with Hang it. on, Harry. Who interviewed you? The government. The government? All right. <laughs> uh, okay. And listen, don't keep asking Jimmy how he is. He's as fit as a fiddle. It's boring. <laughs> and go to Belmore Shopping Centre and go to May's News Agency. She's a friend of mine. She'll sell you a winning lotto and go to Joe Bell for a coffee. Uru. Uru. Geez, I tell you what, there's a couple of public endorsements there from Harry that I think are going to carry a huge amount of weight. It's interesting. Don't say good day and ask how I'm doing. Just get into it, <laughs> as Harry does. It's boring, as he said. I've got another mate that says that. Shout out to you, the analyst. All right, let's get ourselves to a break. We're way late, way late. Uh, we'll be back with more. Oh, welcome back to the program. Daniel Cherney, we've had to push Daniel back uh, till 2.30, so not far away. Uh, Rooster Ash can get in the bin. Who gives a rats if they didn't sing the national anthem? They stood there and did nothing. So what? This is the biggest storm in a teacup. Uh, it's not like they took the knee or protested in a visible way. For what it's worth, Advanced Australia Fair is an insipid anthem. Wish you had an anthem that you could sing with gusto. The Seekers, I Am Australian would be a good start. Oscar from the Valley. So... Uh, lots of people on that. Uh, Jimmy, I've been watching rugby league live at games since 1962 and watched most games on TV. Traditionally, rep players did not sing along with the anthem. And they were typical Anglo-Australians. Singing along with the anthem is a relatively new thing. That's from Schooner. Good point, Schooner, because um, Tommy from uh, 2AM, Tommy, has put a, a clip out of the 1982 Kangaroos with the anthem. No one singing. Anyway... Uh, Jimmy, tell Matt to go stick his head in the sand. What a pelican you are, bloody champ. Great show. You let so many have their say, even when it's outdated, out of line, and sometimes flat out outrageous. Keep on punching on.
Jimmy. I love it. Uh, Mick, Mick, each to their own, you know, right? Uh, everyone's welcome and everyone is open to having their own view. Jimmy, the Australian National Anthem disrespects and denigrates by omission our Indigenous people. Any wonder they don't want to sing it. To give white Australians some perspective, for the first 20-odd years of my life, God Save the Queen was our National Anthem. There was no way if I was representing Australia would I have sung God Save the Queen. Well, we had earlier. Dawn Fraser didn't want that. You've got to love all these... Oh, I don't know. I won't say that. You've got to, I'll just say right wing. You've got to love all these right wing people who insist their view must be respected, but they don't have to respect anybody else's view. So uh, that's from 942. Uh, Jimmy, by the sounds of today's show, I guess it won't be long before you take over from Ray Hadley. Uh, 800? No. <laughs> I do not think that will be happening. Uh, in fact, I'm convinced. Jimmy, I understand SEN is a majority rugby league station, but how about some A-League chatter? The women's kicked off on the weekend to record crowds, and I don't think I've heard anything spoken about it today. And the men uh, have started this weekend. Yeah, it's a good point, Cameron. It's uh, remiss of us to leave all that out. So we'll get an update from Coach K a little bit later in uh, winning and losing. Uh, right now, though, we're going to go to the news because coming up after that, we're going to speak with Daniel Cherney from Code Sport. We've got a massive game of cricket. It's on tonight. I'm sure they'll be singing the anthem with gusto. Alrighty. Tell us what you really think is could be the theme in here today, Coach K, after that little outburst, wasn't it? Anyway, separate issue, listeners, separate issue. Uh, just before we get to uh, this one, we do this on... Uh, oh, hang on. Yep, yep. A winning. Thank you. Uh, and Jim? Le Hill. Yes, yes. Uh, now, Razor said, Jimmy, you never, never let me finish what I was going to say to you. Uh, and then your text message cut out. So, um, anyway, you've got to... Uh, Jimmy, rugby union players belt out our national anthem, no matter their heritage. Why not the league guys? I bet uh, if you didn't pay them to play, they wouldn't play, says the Mortlake Tiger. Well, that will never know, Mortlake Tiger. Uh, Ash from Blacksland said, so Daniel Cherney, we just had issues with his phone, so apologies around that. Apologies to Daniel and to you guys uh, and girls listening in. Looks like the cricketers are in control, not the coach pushing them at training. You play the way you train. Ash from Blacksland, yeah. As much as it pains me to say it, we haven't had a tough call from Andrew McDonald, have we? Got to make a tough call. Uh, Case in point, Sir Alex Ferguson, right? Is a real case in point. All right, let's go to this. A winning. Thank you, Charlie. And Le Hill, the her. Coach K, who was winning? Who was a loser? Yeah, I've got a few, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Big weekend in sport. Let's start with Timmy Zoo. Improved his record to 24 and zip after his win against Brian Mendoza. A double win. Double yeah. win. Because not only the win that he got, but against who it was, how he did it, and then what it means... So you win that purse, mm. and if we're just looking in financial terms, and then you've gone next level to what your opportunities will open up in the US. Tick and tick. And the other one, Jimmy, the Sydney Kings, we touched on it, but this is where it gets interesting, playing basketball all my life, Hunter and Bolden. So the duo there, the rotation is as good as it gets. Jonah Bolden, 13 points and 15 rebounds, but in 17 minutes, which is extraordinary. Jordan okay. Hunter with 20 points as well. So what's his ceiling then? Jonah Bolden. Don't know, because he, he's got that craft. If he can get himself mm. right, could he go back to the NBA? He's 27. It's never too late, but I, I think he'll be, yeah, be very good NBL player. So Xavier Cooks went to the NBA for the first time as a 27-year-old. That's true. So this is this is a really interesting thing. When Jason Gillespie mm. was 
out of the Australian cricket side. You know, he was tired. He was older. You know, he, 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 he'd had enough or, you know, he'd bowled enough. Like, he'd, they'd squeezed the lemon on Jason Gillespie. They brought in a guy named Stuart Clark, who was six months older than Jason Gillespie. Wow. <laughs> like, it's really interesting. Yeah. The perception of... So, Jonas had three, three and a half years out of the game, and you go, oh, okay, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? We'll find out, Bronson Cherry. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, if you've got the if you've got the craft, you never know. And Jimmy, the other winning I would say is this: eleven thousand five hundred fans cheered on the Sky Blues in a two-zero win in the A League Women's Competition over the Western Sydney Wanderers. So that was a record crowd, right? Yeah. So that's that's just on the back of the Matildas. Mm. Like we can't put anything else down to that, can we? I don't think so. So that's a huge increase on that. Did Courtney Vine play? She did indeed. Took selfies with young fans as well. Right. Okay. That'll get you back there. Um, people turn up to the Kings games and you get to meet the players and it's such a great experience for the kid. You can't meet everyone, obviously. Uh, over there in the EPL, too, just on the back of that, uh, Chelsea 2-0 over West Ham United. Sam Kerr scored one, of not, course. Not surprised. Uh, and then Manchester City beat Bristol City. 5-0, Chook, Mary Fowler, uh, two two goal assists. Mm. So Aussies over there doing well. I think Arsenal are going all right in that one, aren't they? Yeah, they had, a big, they had a big win too, actually, Jimmy, in that one. Uh, they won that one 2-1 against Aston Villa. So, yeah, good result there for the mighty gunner. Steph Catley played, Caitlin Ford played, so it was good. Actually, they're mid-table. I got ahead of myself. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Just no at all. Manchester United, just above them. So... You know what? Watching that documentary you talked about, Beckham, it yeah. made me – it reinvigorated my love for Man United. Mm. You know, the way that – Just going back and having a watch. Having a look at it's such a familiarity. And the away strip that they used in one of the games. So in one of the games – what episode are you up to? I'm up to – I've just finished three. Three. So yeah. he's left yes. Man United. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know the game where Posh was there in the red jacket filming? Yes. I was at that game. You actually had that I was at exact that game. game. I was at that exact game. So mm. there was a director at the Salford City Reds who had tickets and every home game he would take someone. So myself and Jace Nickel and Jason Weber went along to that game. It was 11 a.m. Mm. on a Saturday. So we went there. Uh, we watched the game and then we went inside and had, had uh, supper or whatever they called it. Mm. But out there, they played Tottenham. They won 3-0. Beckham scored from a dead ball. And that's with the vision we saw him running into the crowd. Yes. And the away jersey of that year, which was so – it came up a couple of times in the documentary. We all went and got a, an away jersey strip. So I had Roy Keane. Oh, yeah. Uh, someone had – one of the boys had Sheringham. Yeah. Uh, and I can't believe we didn't have Beckham. But we we didn't have Beckham on our back. So Keane was my man. Um Oh, 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 no. So we're standing there in the stands. There's a kid down in front of us. There's a couple of the, – the two Neville brothers weren't playing. So there was a kid down in front of us. He was getting autographs, like you just see in the stand. Next thing, he turns around to the stand and he starts cheering that he got this autograph. And we're like, oh, who has he got? The Neville brothers? What's going on? Eric Cantona was in the house. And the, the, the match is going on at Old Trafford. When people around that then started to realise that Eric Cantona was there, the whole crowd stood up, turned their back to the game and just started clapping Eric Cantona for being in the crowd. Mm. It was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Actually, if you could take one person to dinner 
from that team. From that team. Who would it be? Ooh, now, I've got mine. Wow. I've got mine. Listeners might have theirs if they've watched the doco. It's not a Neville brother. <laughs> it's I. Okay, because I was going to say Gary. Really? Yeah, love to. He's, he's passionate. Beck's best mate. very vocal. Yeah, they're so complete opposites, aren't they? What about that That um, quote that he made for at the wedding? He was very funny. He said, they stay on top. They stay on top. Oh, what are they like? Uh, who'd they beat in the treble final? Oh, yeah. Bayern Munich. Yes. Why do, why do women like Bayern Munich? Because they're on top for 90 minutes and they end up coming second. It's a, <laughs> very, it's a nice gag. That it's is very nice good. Gag. Who are your winners, Jimmy? Uh, obviously, the Kangaroos. Mm. Um, that's a straightforward one. Um, I'll tell you who the loser was. Yeah, go. The yes vote was a loser, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't. The dead. no vote had a win. It wasn't. Uh, a very I'll, strong win. I'll give you mine. Just I'll give you one loser before we before we uh, go. But yes. France losing the quarterfinals to South Africa. It was close. Uh, one w- losing by one point, but it's a hard way to fall because can you imagine England France in the semi final of the Rugby World Cup? Yeah, but it's not going to happen. I no. know. But we'd be amazing, it, right? We, we, it would have been awesome. We've been robbed of that. Yeah. When I say we, I probably would have got up and watched highlights. <laughs> you wouldn't watch it live. No. You... <laughs> Look at how dismissive you are. Yeah, why not? 6 a.m. Saturday morning, Argentina v. New Zealand. 6 a.m. Sunday morning, England v. South Africa. Mm. So I think both those games are in Paris. So, you know what, there's a lot of Wallaby supporters that yeah. thought we'll make the semis. Mm. Why? Not because we're playing well, but because we've got this really weak team. Yeah. Uh, really weak draw, sorry. There'll be a lot of people, a lot of Aussies there thinking, uh, just walking along the Champs Elysees, dra- dragging their <laughs> just feet. Just not having a bar. Dragging right? their feet. Uh, so tomorrow we hear from Eddie. Mm. Like, just be straight with us, Ed. Will he, though? No. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I think he's got to change his he, ways. Tomorrow's a big day for he him. Hasn't got the, he hasn't got the job yet. So he can't go, yeah, guys, I've got the job. I had the interview Really, sorry how it all played out. See you later. He can't do that because he hasn't got the job yet. He's got to go for the second interview. And there's three candidates, he being one of them. So he's not over the line yet, Ed. Mm. Yeah, we'll That's the see. hard part. <laughs> That's lo- winners and losers, Jimmy. Uh, thank you, Coach K. Jeez, Jimmy, all these drama over the national anthem. I could not give a tinker's cuss whether someone was singing or not. In fact, the rhetoric coming from people on whether someone did or didn't sing is my issue. Every person has their reasons. And just because it doesn't fall into your thinking doesn't mean they should be criticised. But on the other hand, the whole reason we live in a democracy is so we can have these polarising discussions. Exactly. Statsy. Go and have this in Tiananmen Square. You can't do it. You can't do it. Jimmy, it would be a strange old world if we all thought the same. You don't agree with everything I say, but you let me have my say. As for some of the rude texts you read out... If the only argument they have is to insult you, that usually means they don't have an argument. You've already won. Good on you. Uh, good on you. Thank you, uh, Simon from Balgani. Uh, JS reminding us all of his only love of clubs that win, not even the biggest club in Manchester. JS, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Um, anyway. Uh, what is true Australian? A guy who gives his $100 prize to one of our elderly, as he did last week. Stand up and take a bow, Jimmy. Uh, Razor. So Razor finished off that text message. Yeah, we... Coach K and I tried to work out how much how much money we've given to Harry over the course of the journey, but uh, anyway. Uh, Mal Meninga is Australian of South Sea Islander descent. Yeah, Stormy Daniel from Prairiewood. We've, we've had confirmation on that. Um, and he also goes on to say, uh, you SEN T-shirt, welcome to your very broad house of worship. So there you go. 
considering the diversity of opinions which come in on a daily basis. We've seen it today with the opposing views around the non-singing of the anthem. Afternoons on SEN Strength as a program is the diversity of us, the listenership. I'm proud to be a disciple of the program and really happy to have you, Stormy Daniel, as part of the program as well. 347 says, Jimmy, as the uninspiring, boring dross that the national anthem is, I mean, what the does Advance Australia Fair even mean? If you're representing your country, you should be singing it. So there you go, 347 with a different point of view. How can you live free in the country of your birth that was brutally taken from you if your people are not constitutionally recognised, which means the federal government can intervene in our communities and our people have different legal rights than you? First Nations people help make the greatest game of all. Uh, That's from 469. No doubts. No doubts around that. Um, uh, What else have we got here? Uh, Hey, Jimmy, happy Monday. Read the Aussie anthem drama. If PBL had his way, I'd reckon we see the kangaroo singing and swaying along to Sweet Caroline. Yes, worked a treat at Royal Randwick, didn't it? Uh, So good on you, 971, for sending that one in. All right, let's get ourselves to the break. What a day. What a day we have had. Always enjoyable. All right. Break, and then we're back to wrap up this show. A uh, big thank you, I think. Uh, t-shirt, go right on the dial from Deb Knight. <laughs> thank you, DK11. Uh, Super League Grand Final, Jimmy. What an awful game. Absolutely terrible standard of footy. Uh, they need help, English Super League. Uh, the Seekers song, that was from OJ. That's his anthem uh, offering. Uh, our cricketers can't win a game, but, geez, they belled out the national anthems. <laughs> 206 they'll be in action tonight. I keep getting text messages saying there's a change, there's a change that Captain Pat will not be playing. Anyway, um, McHugh said, afternoons with Jimmy Smith, turn me on because I definitely won't turn you on. Oh, come on, opinion-based, all of that. He also said, I bet that Kiwi that won the 10 million moves to Australia. To live. <laughs> oh, dear. The run home with Joel and Sock. Um, that is coming up now. Monday A grades with that one. Uh, we've got the Aussies in action tonight. Go, you good things. We've got to find a win there. Um, now, Troy and Georgie from Sandy Island, yes, uh, apparently bowling very fast was the wild thing yesterday. I'll take your word on that one. Didn't see it. Uh, $100 cash goes to Harry Kidding. Richard, Richard wins it. Signet Boost Power Bank to Murray, who said, Don't shoot me, I'm only the panel operator. Good on you, Mars. Good afternoon. Good evening and good night.